I had uh, a pretty significant panel of patients living with hepatitis C and I was unable to get them in to see specialists even though I was working in a relatively urban area. So why did you um, not come earlier to see me? And, and she says, I live 200 miles away from Albuquerque and I called your uh, clinic and there was an eight month wait to see you. I was asking myself, why did she die without any opportunity to be treated? And, and the answer was, she died because the right knowledge didn't exist at the right place at the right time. Welcome back. This is Something for the Pain, a podcast produced by Project Echo in Idaho, made for Idaho's healthcare professionals working to learn best practices in the fight to prevent, treat, and facilitate recovery from opioid and substance use disorders in communities across the state of Idaho. I'm your host, Sam Steffen. The data and the per capita facts, the doctor-patient ratio in Idaho's next to last. Ruralist of places where the resources are scarce They're calling Echo Idaho An answer to our prayers Echo Idaho Sign up for our free sessions There's a handful every month Echo Idaho You can earn CE credit while you sit you've been tuning into something for the pain, you've probably heard me talk a lot about ECHO as a resource for healthcare professionals, a website, a place where many of our lecture recordings come from. Maybe you've even joined us for one of our live sessions on Zoom and claimed continuing education credit. Well, whether you're familiar with our program or hearing about it for the first time, today we're making a little bit of a departure from our regular programming to take you inside what the ECHO program is really all about how it got started, and the impact it's making in rural communities, in Idaho in particular. To do that, we're going to be hearing from the founder of the ECHO program, Dr. Sanjeev Arora, gastroenterologist, hepatologist, distinguished professor of medicine, director of the Office of Clinical Affairs, and executive vice chair for the Department of Internal Medicine at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center in Albuquerque, who joined us recently at a live ECHO Idaho session to talk about how the first Project ECHO got started in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so I started ECHO with the idea to democratize my expertise, to get best practice care to everyone. If we don't democratize our knowledge, we can only help those people that we see ourselves. That's a very limiting thought. Following that, we're going to be tuning into another podcast that's currently produced by the University of Idaho's Science Department. It's called The Vandal Theory and it's hosted by a science writer here at the University of Idaho, Lee Cooper. We're going to be tuning into the first episode of the Vandal Theory's fourth season, where Lee interviews the director of Idaho's ECHO program, Lachelle Smith. ECHO is a way for healthcare professionals across Idaho to use Zoom to connect with experts in a particular medical field. All of that is coming up in the next 45 minutes, so stick around. If you didn't already know it, Project ECHO, which stands for Extensions for Community Healthcare Outcomes, has now been replicated throughout the United States and around the world to address a number of disease areas, including programs focused on increasing healthcare professionals' capacity to better respond to substance and opioid use disorders. So far, that's been the focus of our podcast. But it all started with just one man, this man, 
Dr. Sanjeev Arora. Dr. Arora joined Idaho's Project ECHO on April 12, 2021, to help initiate a new ECHO series being offered in the GEM state, focusing on hepatitis C treatment. Let's take a listen. So I'm a gastroenterologist, a hepatologist, and in 2001, I'd gone into my clinic at the University of New Mexico, and there was a 43-year-old woman sitting in their room. Um, but in the room was also a 14-year-old boy and a nine-year-old girl. And I asked her, how can I help you? And she said, I have hepatitis C and I want treatment. So I said, um, how long have you had it? And she said, I've had it for eight years. So I said, why did you um, not come earlier to see me? And, and she says, I live 200 miles away from Albuquerque. And I called your uh, clinic and there was an eight month wait to see you. And your nurse said, I would have to take these weekly injections for a year, make 12 trips. And at that time I had a one-year-old child. There was no way I'm a single mom that I could come 12 times to see you for this treatment. And not a single primary care doctor in New Mexico was treating this interferon ribavirin regimen in 2001. Uh, so I, I didn't, uh, I said, why did you come today? And she said, I'm having pain here in the right upper side of my abdomen. And as you know, hep C doesn't cause pain. And I did an ultrasound. She had a cancer of her liver, which was too big to get resected or have a liver transplant. And she passed away six months later. And I was asking myself, why did she die without any opportunity to be treated? And, and the answer was, she died because the right knowledge didn't exist at the right place at the right time. And without the right knowledge, it's kind of impossible to get the right care for any disease, let alone hepatitis C. You need knowledge first, then the resources are effective. And so uh, there were 28,000 people with hepatitis C who had been diagnosed at that time in 2003 now, and it's a reportable disease and less than 1500 or so had been treated Lots of people were getting these cirrhosis and um, liver cancers, and I, you know, I have to, I have to say, I'm really sorry that tens of thousands of excess deaths have occurred in the United States from hepatitis C, and I'm sure in your practices you've seen them, which were avoidable if we had accelerated this idea. But that's all the rearview mirror. Going forward, I think we can do a lot better. And so I started ECHO with the idea to democratize my expertise, to get best practice care to everyone in New Mexico. And then I figured out I would have a model to treat complex diseases in rural locations. And so we set up this idea of uh, using technology, sharing best practices. But the key issue in ECHO is this iterative guided practice or the mentor-mentee relationship that, which is the heart of ECHO. Basically, I will take you on as my men mentee. In return, you don't have to pay me, but what you do is you serve your community with that expertise. And that's a game changer. So I, I trained 21 centers of you know, hepatitis C treatment. Over a year and a half, the wait in my clinic fell to from eight months to two weeks. Everybody started getting treatment in their local community. And we published in the New England Journal of Medicine that basically these rural and prison clinicians could get exactly the same outcomes as us, as long as they were participating in these weekly echo sessions where we would discuss seven, eight patients of hepatitis C each time. And so as this happened, um, but the most interesting part was 
This is Echo was building a community of practice and it was producing joy of work for people. It was reducing their isolation and improving their satisfaction. And that was a surprise. I wasn't expecting that, but it happened. And I was getting joy of work from meeting my mentees on a weekly basis. It was producing tremendous value for me personally. And, and then of course we started rolling it out to other disease areas and now we have echo for 70 disease areas. But the key issue that happened was that 6 billion people don't have the right knowledge at the right place at the right time in the world out of the 7.4 billion. Just to give you an example, 1800 children die every single day of diarrhea. And we know that with the right knowledge of oral rehydration and some antibi antibiotics that life can be saved. But we don't have enough experts to get it out. So we said we would train any university, any not-for-profit in the world to do ECHO as long as they were interested in the model. And we started this process of training other centers. And many realized this one problem that if we don't democratize our knowledge, we can only help those people that we see ourselves. That's a very limiting thought after you become a world expert that you can only help those people whom you see yourself. And that idea is called force multiplication, exponentially improving capacity to deliver best practice care 10 times or more, which is what the world needs. So now we have, it's a hub and spoke model like University of Idaho. We have 526 hubs operating out of 46 countries. And we have about 1100 networks that occur on a weekly basis in the world. Uh, the number of mentees in the world is about 1.2 million in 2020 uh, mentees being, uh, we have also expanded ECHO for education uh, where school teachers are, the are being mentored to be better school teachers and in climate change and other kinds of water security, et cetera. And the last thing I'll mention is it became very useful in the COVID-19 world. So um, because what happened is we basically converted a lot of our networks, more than 500 networks were converted into COVID-19 networks. And the beginning they showed people how to do PPE, how to prevent infection spread, how to, um, how to treat a patient, then dexamethasone, how to use it, Later on, the antibody treatments, how to ventilate people, and now on vaccines and building vaccine confidence. And it, it became tremendously useful because think of ECHO not as technology networks, but as human networks. We have human networks all over the world in which all teach, all learn. And the last comment is ECHO works not because of technology or knowledge. It works because of love and respect and community, empathy and kindness. And any echo that adopts these four five things has very successful echoes. And I'm really delighted that all of you are interested enough in echo to join today. And congratulations to the University of Idaho for launching this echo for hepatitis C and dire need. Thank you. That again was the founder of the ECHO program, Dr. Sanjeev Arora, explaining his rationale behind the first project ECHO that started in Albuquerque, New Mexico in 2003. That recording was taken from a live ECHO Idaho session that took place on April 12, 2021, 
as a part of Echo Idaho's Hepatitis C series. If you'd like to watch the complete video of that session, that video is currently available on our YouTube channel, which can be accessed through our website, www.uidaho.edu. I'm going to transition now to, well, a whole other podcast, actually. If you've enjoyed listening to Something for the Pain, you may want to subscribe to this podcast that's also produced by the University of Idaho, The Vandal Theory. The Vandal Theory is a podcast that showcases U of I researchers exploring questions they want to answer and problems they want to solve, with interviews and quick updates on all things Vandal. To kick off the fourth season of The Vandal Theory, podcast host and science writer Lee Cooper interviewed a very special guest, and a familiar one to us here at Something for the Pain, the director of Idaho's Project Echo, Lachelle Smith. Without further ado, here it is. From the University of Idaho Science Department, first released in March of 2021, The Vandal Theory, Season 4, Episode 1. You know, the really the whole point of ECHO is to improve access for rural and underserved patients, and this is a way to do that. And like I said earlier, it's that ripple effect of it's not just the patient whose case we review in the ECHO session, but it's all the other patients who will receive better care as a result of what their provider learned in ECHO. Meet Lachelle Smith, the director for ECHO Idaho. In small towns throughout the gem state, finding a medical specialist is almost impossible. The local doctor, or perhaps a nurse practitioner, has to treat everyone, no matter if they have COVID-19 or need help fighting an addiction. But through the ECHO Idaho program, the state's healthcare workforce keeps abreast of the latest medical research and public health trends, knowledge they pass to their patients. Welcome everyone to The Vandal Theory. Hi everyone, my name is Lee Cooper and I'm a science writer here at the University of Idaho and your host for The Vandal Theory, a podcast about science and research at U of I. Throughout the fourth season of the podcast, which we're recording and producing remotely, we'll talk to U of I researchers about questions they want to answer, problems they want to solve, and what gets them excited about their research. Lachelle and I talked about how ECHO provides Idaho healthcare workers with specialized knowledge and a community of coworkers. Hey, Lachelle, thank you so much for being a part of the Vandal Theory today. Can you introduce yourself for everyone? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so pleased to be here. My name is Lachelle Smith, and I am the director of Project ECHO in the Whammy Medical Education Department at the University of Idaho. Oh, great. So a lot of letters out there. Let's start with the one that we really want to talk about today, which is ECHO. So what is ECHO? Yeah, so simply put, ECHO is a way for healthcare professionals across Idaho to use Zoom to connect with experts in a particular medical field or discipline to get up to speed on the latest research or innovation so that they can provide the best care possible to patients in their communities. Can you give me an example? What would be like, what would an average ECHO Zoom call look like? Yeah, so um, it's not a webinar. It's interactive and actionable. So folks call in from across the state, and then we have brought together subject matter experts, specialists, and subspecialists to lead these trainings. The first part of an echo looks like a talk, a didactic lecture that you might expect in uh, medical school. 
So for example, we have a behavioral health and primary care program. So last week in that ECHO program, we have a psychologist who gave a talk about bipolar disorder and what to look for when you're maybe making a diagnosis and what are common, common pitfalls around that. And then the second part of the time together is really the most exciting. This is where participants can sign up to bring a de-identified patient case so that they can really learn and actualize that information that they've learned in the first half in their patient care. And it's a way for them to get access to consultation with Idaho specialists. So in this example, we have a family practice physician in Pocatello who brought a patient in his care who um, has several substance use and also psychiatric complications that he's dealing with in his primary care setting. And so he was able to bring this scenario to both the panel of experts who are leading the trainings and also the community of practice of everyone else who's called in to get some advice for medications and other treatment options so he could help that particular patient. Now, I think possibly that case study kind of leads me into my next question. You said that that was a primary care physician who was asking for some help? Correct. But making a diagnosis about bipolar disorder or something similar. Sure, sure. Something similar. Yeah. So in many of Idaho's rural communities, Pocatello not, uh, notwithstanding, there are a shortage of specialists. And so what that means are primary care providers are, are oftentimes, they're acting as the de facto specialists. And so ECHO is this great way of sort of, even though it's a simple idea, it's really flipping healthcare on its head, right? Like right now the health system is designed for if you need higher levels of care, you, the patient, needs to travel to where the provider is with that knowledge. Through ECHO, we flip it on its head and instead demonopolize that medical information to get it out to the providers in rural or community-based settings so that they can provide specialist-level knowledge and care to patients in their care. And is this a trend across all of our specialty medicine, not just psychology or anything like that? It's, is it pretty widespread? Right. So ECHO started in 2003 with the focus of hepatitis C and has since um, in New Mexico and has since there are um, replication partners across the country, across the world in numerous different health and disease topic areas. So in Idaho, we currently have seven different ECHO programs across four main health domains um, and a laundry list of others that we'd like to bring to the state. So in this case, you're helping primary care physicians treat some of these more specialty cases that might, in a bigger city, literally just go to the specialist. Why pick this sort of structure as opposed to the telemedicine? Why not have the, the patient call the doctor in Seattle or something like that? Right. So telemedicine is great. And like you just outlined, it can be a wonderful way to have one patient access one specialist for this one-to-one -one care using technology. Project ECHO, though, has this ripple effect, this workforce multiplier, where you can build up the skills and the capacity of the provider to help many, many patients. That kind of capacity building is especially important in Idaho, where we have such a workforce shortage. So we're very bottom of the list for primary care providers per capita. 
the entire state is a mental health professional shortage area. And so that that exacerbates these problems and makes it more difficult for patients to access the kind of care that they need. So having one patient call one professional is a Band-Aid for a much larger issue. That is a Band-Aid. You know, Idaho is is a, you know, a large state that's also very rural. And so we've got these geographic constraints that it's not always practical or feasible for someone to drive, you know, several hours, maybe in winter conditions to get to that specialist, if the specialist even exists, right? Like maybe we don't have that specialty in Idaho. We are also, you know, we, we have these workforce shortages now, but they're only getting worse as our state continues to top the lists of, you know, fastest growing state, fastest growing community. And our existing workforce is aging um, and retiring. And so these things combined sort of create this perfect storm of this access to healthcare issue. And there are many smart people working very hard at increasing the quantity of folks, you know, more nursing slots, more um, physician residencies, just so that we can increase the number of health providers in Idaho. And that's wonderful. But those pipelines take a minute. And so the problem is here right now. And so ECHO is a way that we can help bring together our existing providers and our health workforce to really support them and build them up and make sure that they can provide the best care to the patients that they have right now while we're waiting for these other things to happen. So I was fortunate enough to be able to listen in on some of the first COVID-19 meetings that you guys had in the spring, summer of 2020. And one of the things that I loved about it was not just, you know, there, there was great information coming out, but one of the things that I enjoyed was the fact that there, there was part of the meeting that was almost a cheerleading, like, hey, guys, we can do this. This is Let's work together. We got this. Like it was more than a, a webinar, as you said. There was more to it than that. So it's not only the information, but it's also this community, right? Of reducing that professional isolation. That if you are a health provider in a small community, you might not have a lot of colleagues. Um, so this is a way to get some faces and have a, a virtual care team that can get together and take a sigh together. I'm not the only one who's wrestling with XYZ or, oh, you're dealing with that problem too? Like, what was your workaround? Oh, I think that would work in in my setting. You know, I, I work in a town that's similar to yours. And so there's this camaraderie and never has that been more important than at a time like COVID. And of course, all of this, I mean, it is a trickle down. The The ultimate goal is to increase patient care, I would think. Yeah. So not only do the providers benefit, you know, they're getting access to the consultation with Idaho specialist, improved um, self-efficacy and job satisfaction, and this um, easy access to the kinds of continuing education that might only be available in larger cities or out of state, which is a real problem for people in rural communities, right? But you're, you're exactly right. The ultimate beneficiary is that patient, right? So that they can get specialist level care from a provider they already know and trust. They don't have to navigate some complicated referral system and get themselves to that specialist that may take, you know, weeks, if not months or upwards of a year to get into, you know, reducing their travel costs, those wait times, uh, avoidable complications in the meantime, because we're going to get you cared for sooner. You know, the really the whole point of ECHO is to improve access for rural and underserved patients. And this is a way to do that. And 
like I said earlier, it's that ripple effect of it's not just the patient whose case we review in the echo session, but it's all the other patients who will receive better care as a result of what their provider learned in echo. Well, I would assume that, I mean, okay, so as a, let's say I'm a doctor or whatever, and I, I, you know, listen to the webinar and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, that's really good information. But I'm assuming they also now have those people's names so that when, oh, wow, I have a really difficult case that I don't really know what to do with, they might, you know, give a call over a lunch break or something. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I have so many people say, or I had one physician say to me once, before I had Echo, I had Google, which is not a great substitute. Not not a great substitute. That's about as good as me doing using WebMD and suddenly I've canceled. (laughs) Right. Or gosh, before I had Echo, I didn't know who to call. And now I have a psychiatrist in my cell phone. Here's an example just from last week, you know, where what, almost a year into this pandemic. This is a, another family practice physician in Eastern Idaho who comes to our COVID-19 programming. And last week, we had an infectious disease specialist give the talk and then went through a hypothetical patient scenario of someone who tests positive for COVID, but has already restarted their vaccination cycle. So he emailed me um, just the following week to say, thank you, Just two days after that, I attended that echo session, that exact scenario happened to one of my elderly patients in my care. And I I think you said that that was a hypothetical case, but it happened to me. And it was so comforting that I already knew the answer and I didn't have to spend an hour or two researching it. So thank you. So it's that kind of community and that efficacy of helping people connect the dots and know where the resources are and have the information at their fingertips because patient care happens in the real time. And sometimes you don't have time to wade through all the listservs and the emails and the journal articles to find the answer that you need. You need it right when you need it. Right. I think one of the things that surprised me listening to the COVID-19 talks was, and looking back, I'm almost embarrassed by my naivety going into it. I I went in thinking, okay, this is going to be a bunch of doctors and nurses, which there's more to healthcare than doctors and nurses. And going in, you guys had everybody from people specializing in working in nursing homes to grief counselors to virologists. Why is it so important to bring in such a wide variety of specialists to talk about one single topic? Because healthcare is complicated and health is complicated. And we have Like you said, there's more to healthcare than just physicians and nurses. Of course, we value them for their expertise that they bring, but they are working in this constellation of pharmacists and community healthcare workers and the front office staff and the medical admin and, you know, the list goes on and on. And so when we have these areas of that aren't necessarily straightforward. Maybe the um, care is changing or the the landscape is changing, especially in those times. Especially true with COVID-19. Yes, of course. Information was changing daily. Right. It's important to have everybody on the same page so that we can work in concert. You know, stay in your lane, of course, but make sure that all lanes are going in the same direction. And how, again, to, to speaking to that workforce shortage, we simply don't have time to not work together. And so I think just because of the way health education and health care delivery is organized, 
we sometimes fall into the trap of these silos. And so ECHO is a way to really purposefully invite folks from different disciplines to be together and learn from one another. And so they can find ways to maximize efforts and align efforts and find some efficiencies because, again, there simply aren't enough of us to do it on our own. So we've been talking a little bit about COVID-19. I did want to go into, you guys have done some bigger sets of, of lectures with COVID-19 and also with opioids. Why were these two so important to do kind of deep dives for our state on? I mean, early, especially early in the pandemic, there was so much uncertainty. It was changing so rapidly. Literally, no one alive has lived through um, a, a global pandemic of such magnitude that it was really important to have a space to come together and catch each other. You know, no one, no one has enough time to stay on top of it, but if we can kind of divide and conquer and be together, we can help get that information out to everyone who needed it. And so because the Echo Idaho infrastructure existed and we had this network of experts, we could really quickly stand up a COVID-19 programming that was just for Idaho, for the Idaho health professionals who practice here, they understand here, and we could have a state com- a, st- a conversation just for here. So yes, it's nice to know what's happening on the national level, but what does it look like in Idaho? How can I help my patients in Idaho? What is Idaho doing? And so that was the conversation that we could have. Um, and people found that, found and continue to find that to be of e- enormous benefit, right? To help cut through all the noise and the chatter and find out really what's happening and what's going to happen, you know, where we've been and where we're going related to COVID-19. Uh, well, and in the case of COVID-19, it it felt to me like the healthcare workers were really looking for a community in this respect because, man, uh, it's a lot to take just on your own. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we forget that the health workforce, the health professionals that we look to, to guide us through this, this was new for them too, right? And they were also parents caring for children who were out of school or elderly parents or you know they were dealing with all of the same struggles that the rest of us were with this added you know additional pressure of needing to lead folks through especially in in an area that was a little you know there's a little there's a lot of noise right it wasn't so straightforward it's not like diabetes prevention and we all know we should eat our ve- vegetables like the yeah, information used to having the answers Right. They're used to having the answers and the answers are ones that we can, for the most part, sort of get on board. But for this one, we didn't have the answers or, you know, the answers were changing and evolving and sometimes contradicting. And then there was all of this, um, you know, the the narrative around COVID-19 has been fraught with noise and complication. And so how do you continue to be a leader through that with your health training and background, um, but also being very aware of this larger conversation. And so it's been a challenge. And so, yes, so having a, a quick way to easily get, you know, straight to the answers, here are the bullets, here's what's changed, here's what's happening in Idaho, this is who you can call, this is where you can go, in a way that also aligned with the new physical distancing requirements that were in place was hugely, hugely beneficial. And I think we found a lot of opportunities to cross-pollinate, you know, that innovation that happened at the VA home in Pocatello 
could make its way up to a primary care setting in Lewiston, you know, so that the innovation and the information didn't get stuck in a particular health system or a particular community that we could make sure that, you know, we could reduce the variations in care throughout the state. Well, so just last few minutes, uh, let's just talk about uh, your opioid work. Why pick that as one of the big topics to cover? Yeah, so um, back in 2018 when we started, I know that opioids sort of fallen out of the news cycle, but that doesn't make it any less of an issue here in Idaho. For the last 10 years or so, rates of suicide and also drug overdose deaths have steadily risen. And that's another area of care that's it's changing. It's it's complicated. It's not always straightforward. And so having that forum to bring folks together from different disciplines to really wrestle with the complexity of substance use and behavioral health that's, that often go hand in hand, um, we thought was really important. Um, I think it's interesting that in 2019, the, the most recent year we have data for, Idaho was the 11th lowest of providers who were trained to treat opioid use disorders in the country. So that puts us down between Alaska and Arkansas. Yet we were 12th highest for reported opioid misuse. Um, That's a poor ratio. That's a poor ratio. Um, And again, (laughs) because we can help facilitate peer-to-peer education, we can make sure that it's really resonant for that rural you know, nurse practitioner, the physician assistant, the counselor to figure out how do I want this to look in my practice? What do my patients need? What's going to work in my community? And we can kind of collaborate and provide mentorship together um, instead of a, you know, pejorative or condescending kind of a way. It's a very, it's collaborative people, you know, if they have egos, I don't know it. They check them at the door. They come with curiosity and camaraderie, and they want to help each other. And it's just, it's been such an honor to be able to facilitate these conversations to hopefully, you know, bolster the current health workforce, to help them make connections with the up-and-coming workforce. You know, Idaho is great. Please stay here. Please practice here. And you won't have to do it alone through communities like Echo and others to help connect one another. All right. Well, Lachelle, thank you very much for coming on today. Of course. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That again was The Vandal Theory, a podcast produced and hosted by University of Idaho's science writer Lee Cooper. That was episode one of season four, featuring an interview with Echo Idaho program director Lachelle Smith. If you'd like to hear more episodes of The Vandal Theory, you can subscribe on The Vandal Theory webpage www.uidaho.edu slash news slash the hyphen vandal hyphen theory. If you're interested in joining our free live echo sessions to receive continuing education credit, learn best practices, ask a question, grow your community, or simply because you're curious, please visit our website at www.uidaho.edu slash echo, where you can register to attend, sign up to receive announcements, donate, and find out more information about our programs. Something for the Pain is brought to you by Echo Idaho, supported by the Whammy Medical Education Program and the University of Idaho, and is made possible by V Corp, the Valley County Opioid Response Project.
We here at Echo also want to hear your feedback. We welcome your questions, comments, and suggestions, and invite you to email us at echoidaho at uidaho.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to Something for the Pain using your podcast app. And if you have a moment, write us a review. Something for the Pain is made possible by grant number GA1RH39585 from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources, and Services Administration, HRSA. Its contents are solely the responsibility of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of CDI-1 or HRSA. The voices you heard at the beginning of the episode were those of Magni Hamso and Sanjeev Arora, respectively. Big thanks also to the other contributing voices on today's episode, Lachelle Smith and Lee Cooper. And a big thanks to all of our listeners, without whom none of this would be possible. Without you, we'd just be talking to ourselves. Michelle Smith is the Echo Idaho Program Director, Katie Palmer is our Assistant Director, our Marketing Manager is Lindsay Lotus, our Program Coordinators are Kayla Blades, Jessica Whitlock, Carly Klein, and Sam Stephan. Oh, it's for the outcomes, that's the story we can tell, ECHO all together, well, you know what that spells, Echo Idaho, sign up for our free sessions. Handful every month Echo